After the strange adventures of Superman, we decided to take some time and see if Wonder Woman had any news from Paradise Island. Much to our surprise, we were met by not only the Amazonian princess, but her teenage self and toddler version as well. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Like, like putting on a glove that fits very well. No matter how, how much time between each session, we, we seem to not fuck that up anymore. Which is far cry in a way from when we used to all the time. <laughs> it also helps that like we're, we're not as playful with it. We're, we're delivering the line. Uh, there were certainly times where I was, uh, back in the day, messing around with it. You know, it's, it's always important to experiment with delivery. Just on the off chance you discover something new that works better or that you like better. Um, but as we know with Joanne, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. One, one good thing about, uh, the coming back in and going back to the old habits, we don't have to go back to Superman this time. No, we don't. Instead, something far more confusing in certain ways. Um, you know, that's a good, that's a fair way to put it. I have problems with some of these issues. I think that's true. I would put it that at least they're more interesting problems and I think there's also just generally better stuff. These but, are more, yeah, these are more editorially curious than they are. Yeah. Why the fuck is this happening? Um, <laughs> which in and of itself could be an editorial issue uh, with Superman. But uh, I can't wait till we're done with that. There's going to be one more episode of Wonder Woman after this. And then we're going to go to Justice League. And then I'm going to make an executive decision to do all the sto- to do all the books we haven't read before first i.e teen nice. titans and doom patrol and i'm going <laughs> to suge- suggest legion of superheroes we've talked about them enough i think it's time we cover them to some degree especially for putting in teen titans which is i just think we should be covering more of the teen young adult books like supergirl things like that to just kind of gauge how comics geared towards children like specifically by having child characters look and the evolution of those over time. Because while comics were meant for, you know, kids and young adults, having a child be your character, your main character is always something interesting. I think it's going to be fun to kind of see, like, what were the problems that the Legion of Superheroes had? Are they mm-hmm. similar to the problems that Supergirl had when it came to, like, boys, when they have a giant team? Who knows? The Shadow knows. Um, that's a different <laughs> company altogether. Uh, all right. I know, Joanne. I'm sorry. All right, we're gonna we're, so we're looking at Wonder Woman 1962 to 1963, and there's some things in these that I think you're gonna lend to, like I said, the editorial issue that later comes into play as to the existence of Wonder Girl, which is gonna be a problem that we're probably gonna cover when it comes time for the Teen Titans. It is important, however, to stress that Wonder Woman comics frequently put Wonder Woman in stories with Wonder Tot, the young toddler version of herself. And Wonder Girl, who is the teenage version of Wonder Woman. Those are all the same character. That is like Superman meeting Superboy. They're all the same person. There's going to be an issue when we get to Teen Titans, if I recall correctly, that the girl on the team is Wonder Girl, which is technically Diana as a teenager. Hanging out with Dick Grayson. <laughs> you start to see where I get to the issue here. There, I, there's a thing happening there that we're going to have to cover and I don't like it because people... I don't know if editorial just fucking forgot because the writers of Wonder Woman just continually put a teenager in their books. Or what? We'll, we'll tackle that when it gets there. But suffice it to say, you're going to be seeing a lot of Wonder Tot, Wonder Girl in these issues. Um, a lot more because, you know, there is no Wonder Girl comic. Like, there yeah. is a Superboy comic. Um, so, I mean, we never saw Teenage Batman. I don't know why we needed this. Because there's no, like, Batboy comic. I don't know. It just To me, it seems very arbitrary to do the Wonder Woman, Superman, Wonder Girl, Superboy thing. Um maybe because they are kind of the male female version of each other i don't know 
when you're not doing it with every version of your character, it doesn't seem like a necessary thing. It seems like a specific choice to do. I don't know what the editorial decision was for that. Maybe because you need to ha- you need to have a character appeal to your young girl franchise. But then again, what's the point of having Supergirl if that if not for that explicit purpose? I don't know. I was not around to talk to Julia Schwartz about this issue and be like, hey, what the fuck? But um, actually, the first thing I would not have talked to, to Julia Schwartz about would not yeah. have been the, the Wonder Woman stuff. It would be like, hey, stop sexually harassing the women in your office. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, yes, I see you, Joanne. Okay. Um, Wonder Woman number 128, February 1962. Wonder Woman is called home to tell Wonder Tot and Wonder Girl, see what I mean, uh, about how she got the invisible jet and how it's really a Pegasus turned into a plane. I really can't make that sentence sound any more cool than it does. Like, it's like that Venture Brothers line. I dare you to make less sense. Like, I don't... The Invisible Jet is actually a Pegasus. Like, bottom line, Reader's Digest version here. That's the reason it can respond to her verbal commands. It's actually a mythological creature. Who knew? The writers of Wonder Woman did. Um, Second story in that Wonder Woman issue, Angleman's back. Um, and you know he's back because he's got all the angles, and so he can make all the... Oh, God, I love Angleman. Angleman is <laughs> somehow a Batman villain found his way into a Wonder Woman comic. Like it is. That's it is, a good descriptor. It's like Condiment huh. King got lost on his way to Gotham. I don't know how the fuck this happened, but Angleman is such a beautifully Silver Age thing to just be in the same comic as Wonder Woman. I fucking love it. It's so stupid. Angleman has no powers. He's just got an angle for everything. And angle, for those of you who don't get the slang, is a plan. He's got some kind of gimmick or some kind of uh, ulterior motive. Um, Because I don't know who's listening to our podcast. And if you don't know what that means, then I've taught you something. Um, Suffice it to say, Angle Man loses. Because, of course, he does because he's the bad guy. Uh, Wonder Woman, number 129, April 1962. This is a what if concerning Wonder Woman, Wonder Tot, and Wonder Girl. See what I mean again? And uh, the Queen, Queen Hippolyta, fighting Multiple Man, who again, that's Challengers of the Unknown bad guy. I don't know why we keep having Multiple Man show up in Wonder Woman comics when he's very clearly a Challengers bad guy because he showed up first in Challengers. Also, why does Multiple Man keep showing up in what if stories for Wonder Woman? Not like full-fledged, like he's an actual threat, this is a problem. It's always a what if story. Um... The key to knowing that it's a what-if story, specifically for Wonder Woman stories, if the multiple versions of Wonder Woman are in them. Because yeah. she can't be appearing three in the same place three different times in the, because they've explained in a way that doesn't make any sense that time travel doesn't work like that. So if Wonder Tot, Wonder Girl, and Wonder Woman are all in the same place, the story is complete fiction beyond the fact that it's already fiction. And it isn't actually happening and it isn't canon. Because the second story in this issue is Steve and Mono, Reno, Merman. We don't know. We've changed his name so many times. It I was God, his name had been something different back in the day. I cannot find anywhere on the internet that acknowledges that his name was at first Reno. And I <laughs> am a fairly savvy internet user. I've been around when Encarta was a thing. I like to think that I know what's going on and how to search for things on the internet. No one names him Reno on the internet, as far as I've found. I only know that it's Reno because we have notes that say it. And we've read the comic. But his name is now Mono, or Merman. Uh, But uh, bottom line, Steve and Merman are shitty, and they compete for Diana. For half a story. And and I just want to call that out as a bit of a running trend i think i have written down that i think one there is one interaction that merman has in this entire like chunk of stories that is like positive and i don't think there's anything that steve has it it really is just shitty uncle or like but there it is just shitty older attempted boyfriend behavior Uncle would be a lot more disconcerting. There is one specific interaction where uh, I'll probably call it out as we get closer, but where Merman 
does the oh i'm kind of trying to impress uh wonder woman by uh being nice to this kid who she's showing around it's just like oh yeah like your your mom's boyfriend brought home a snes yeah it's both steve and merman or steve and merboy depending on whatever time period we're talking about these interactions make it so blatantly obvious what their ulterior motive is Mm-hmm. in so much that they explicitly state to Diana that their intent is to woo her. You got to give them credit for being honest, but also at the same time, the fact that that is constantly always their reasoning is one of those situations where you got to be like, as a woman, if someone was constantly saying everything that they were going to do was just to get you to go out with them, would you ever fully trust anything that they ever did? And that's even take out your gen, uh, gender in that equation. If someone constantly was saying, I'm trying to date you by doing this with you and you were just not interested or you made your intent very clear. Their actions are so creepy and so untoward. Like it is so not OK. In so many ways. There's a specific line that really just tees it up for me. Uh so Steve is uh, Steve is going off piste. Uh, he's been told like, "Hey, this is all happening like underwater. Uh, uh, you have to stay here while we look for stuff." And he takes his plane and the, goes searching for a thing. And his line is, "If I can bring down that nuclear menace, I will be doing the world a service and showing my Amazon angel that I'm number one in her life." There is a step that's missing there. And I think some of the other stories in here do have that step of you impress the person and then that impressing turns into, oh, I am more important to them as a result. This just bypasses that entirely. This statement by Steve is, I do the thing, I get the thing. It's not, I do the thing that impresses her, I get the thing. There is just that extra stripping away of agency in there yeah there's it's also calls into question all of steve's interactions in general which is are all of his motives to get laid by wonder woman is he an effective agent at all (laughs) should we be trusting him with things like stopping nuclear threats probably not wonder woman number 130 may 1962 wonder tot has adventures with her genie friend that we encountered several episodes ago i don't really want to go into the fact that her friend is a genie in a very sort of racist stereotypical version of a genie uh for the 1960s but what are you gonna do um and they fight aliens and repel them from earth it's cute but it's also when you don't have a secondary outlet for this character like wonder tot or wonder girl is their own book you lose full issues of cool wonder woman action to these weird non sequiturs that are fun but makes the book feel very disjointed. That's a f- especially with Wonder Tot because I feel like there is more thematic crossover between Wonder Girl and Wonder Woman than yes. Wonder Tot because this is this is a cartoon character, like yeah. th- not not a comics character. This guy feels like he's out of a Hanna Barbera cartoon. Absolutely, Maybe and a little more uh, Mel Blanc, I guess. And but again, nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. but. When the previous story was fending off two men who were trying to date you. And the next story is, I'm a child and I have a genie for a friend. It's like, are we, who's, what's the audience here? Who's the, everyone is the audience, everyone. And sometimes that works. Other times it doesn't. Sometimes it's a, it misses the mark. And other times it's just like, well, what Wonder Woman am I getting in this issue? You have no real consistency. And what you're getting are, you know, Wonder Woman's going to be in it, but how old is she going to be? Is it going to be her and the two other versions of her? Is it going to be a fake story? Or is it going to actually be a a non-fake story and it's going to matter? You always have questions whenever you pick up a Wonder Woman book, and I feel like that's... Not that you don't have questions when you pick up Superman or Batman going like, what weird thing are they going to fight today? It's like, you have no consistency amongst the brand, so you can't ask the same questions every time. You can't build off of a expectation. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, The second story in 130, Wonder Woman messes with Steve's pettiness by uh, using magic mirrors at a funhouse because nothing good ever happens at the circus or fair or a carnival and makes it very obvious that he's incredibly vain by making her body look really weird with these funhouse mirrors and making him go like, oh, I would never date you if you look fucking crazy. Uh, And yeah, because Steve's a petty asshole. And one of the things that's this, that's weird about this issue is it's not just that, like, the way the story frames it, it isn't about Steve, it isn't about showing Steve for being shallow and having uh, body normativity as uh, as a bias of his. It just frames it in other ways. Uh and it's it's strange. It feels like that's what it's teeing itself up to be, but it's also doing this whole uh oh, uh Diana Pr- Prince is uh like he should he should also be paying attention to Diana Prince. But he's yeah. presumably monogamous. There's no like oh, Wonder Woman saying no, uh go date somebody else and Diana Prince is there instead. It's just shoehorned in isn't quite the right word there. It there is an assumption that he should be interested in Diana Prince, even though he's presumably monogamous and they're a thing. <laughs> yeah, here, here's the thing. The difference between this and Lois and Superman, or Lois and Clark. Clark tries to get Lois to date him, but does not get discouraged when Lois says no. He's just bummed that Lois wants to go with Superman and accepts that doesn't try to um rebuff her advances as well no he he does rebuff her advances as superman he does say like i don't want to date you because of xyz reason like i can't date you i can't get married to you etc and tries to pursue her as clark whereas diana and uh, Wonder Woman both are pursuing Steve at the same time, but Wonder Woman is just saying, I can't marry you, but I can date you. Yep. So Wonder Woman and Steve, to your point, are an item. But Lois and Superman aren't. It's like they kind of missed the point of that relationship in Superman and didn't replicate it correctly in Wonder Woman. I think that's the right way to put it, that there was... Uh almost a sense of obligation i guess and it's especially annoying because we have actually we unlike many of the people reading this at the time presumably uh have read early wonder woman stories and granted it's been a little while we've been doing this podcast for a while but it felt like there was a point to her as diana prince back then yeah diana doesn't really serve any strategic value <laughs> Clark as a reporter inco- encounters things. Yeah. Writes stories. Diana seems to be just his secretary. She isn't going in the field as Lieutenant Diana. She's a lieutenant, for God's sakes. Like, shouldn't she have something other to do than clerical work? I don't know military intelligence jobs fairly well. But I would imagine that a woman lieutenant would be used in something other than just take down this guy's daily planner. You would think. I don't know. Especially a woman who is fluent in other languages. And like that was a thing that was was big in the golden age was like Diana was consistently impressive. Because she knew different languages and she was good at this. And they were like, oh, take Diana with you because she can figure this out. And it was like, yeah, there were things that Diana Prince could do that made her valuable to secret intelligence Mm -hmm. diana in the silver age feels very much like a glorified secretary transitioning to wonder woman number 131 july 1962 wonder woman explains her catchphrases to kid reporters um effectively like you know merciful minerva you know suffering sappho just the origins of those terms whether or not those are accurate (laughs) it's up for debate um the second story is wonder woman gets a giant meteor diamond for her mother's birthday after a series of shenanigans and not getting the right gift eventually she you know punches a meteor and makes a diamond out of it um these are the stories that are canon like 
not the multiple man one where she fights a giant island sized multiple man because he can turn into different things every time he dies that's that's a what if but the real stories the real things that wonder woman does is explain to child reporters her catchphrases and getting her mother a present that sucks not again not that these can't be the stories but wouldn't it be cool if the things that mattered were the giant cool actiony things yeah like you can have a balance you can it's not that you can't but we have so frequently seen the stories that are what ifs be the cooler more interesting ones and i'm like are you guys blowing it with the regular ones that you just don't know what to do because you keep going like don't people want to see wonder tot wonder girl and wonder woman in the same story i don't know know what telemetry (laughs) or user data uh dc and the silver age had but i'd be fascinated to know if this if the data pointed towards yeah man they love those <laughs> wonder family stories uh wonder woman number 132 august 1962 wonder woman turns into a baby on purpose to talk to a baby to find out where the babysitter for this baby went i'm gonna say baby one more time because it sounds funny now baby uh, you heard that right. Wonder Woman turns herself into an infant child so that she can speak the same language as another infant child to find out where the infant child's babysitter went. In the worst whodunit ever. I I mean, it's a point-and-click adventure move of turn use baby... I was going to say use baby maker on self, but that, oh, no. that's weird. Uh, you, use baby ray on self uh to and then talk to baby but it's cute as hell yeah it is and it that i think that's part of it is wonder tot is never like offensively baby-ish it it is never annoying and there is much less baby talk going on (laughs) entertainingly enough uh in that particular style that we've seen with uh super baby especially um yeah yeah it, it it works okay, in my opinion. It just is a little odd. It is one of those things where I'm like, why was this a story? Again, it works. Yeah. It can work. It can be done. I'm not saying it can't. It's very a mix-you-spit-like story, but... Yeah, that, that's right. exactly it. Like, this is not... like Again, I will not say that these stories don't happen in other books. They 100% do. I'm not saying that Wonder Woman can't have these. That she needs to be better than anything else. I just don't get why we have to have them. In general. Like, it definitely feels like, again, they are trying to appeal to so many audiences at once. They are missing the mark at creating a core audience. It is, what if the, what if the Batman animated series had a laugh track? (laughs) You know, it's kind of that. Here's the thing. I, I think the bit that you said earlier about like consistency is the key thing uh, you don't know what you're getting when you open it up. It's fine to have those like offbeat episodes. It, it's fine to have a Buffy musical or silent episode. But there, what if the an- Batman animated series had a laugh track for some episodes but not others? And it wasn't like, oh, here is the special like laugh track episode or the humorous break. It's just, oh, this. I guess they decided to go with this. It. it it's it feels like the thing of you have to know the rules to break them with like uh before you can write a poem like E.E. E. Cummings, you have to know the basics of poetic structure first. Yeah. Absolutely. It just it feels it feels arbitrary and not on purpose. Arbitrary. That's the right word. Uh second story in one thirty two, Wonder Woman's mom tells her a story about how she rebuffed Hercules' advances when she was a young maiden and uh used Prince Theno who I guess was a prince at the time when her mother was a young fair maiden, uh, used Prince Theno's empty armor to fool him into thinking that Prince Theno had come back and beat Hercules back and then pretended to be her her own paramour. I don't know. It was... It was <laughs> I liked this because I got to see information about Hippolyta. This was cool. Like, I enjoyed some of these stories of, like, her mom going like, well, you know, honey, since you've been having man trouble, let me tell you a story about my man trouble. I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm here for more Queen Hippolyta. I like the character. I like it when she's used more than just a plot device or an expository, you know, NPC. I I enjoy that. It just is so funny to kind of be like, 
all her stories are like, well, let me tell you how to deal with man trouble. It's just like, I mean, sure. Why not? (laughs) Which is actually one of the things that I like about the like all ages team up thing is it's usually actually four characters because it's the three ages of Wonder Woman plus Apollita. Yeah. And I I do like that kind of, oh, I'm the mature uh, in the sense of a, a little more seasons. I've been here. Uh, which means that the times where it's not a what if story, where it is this kind of, uh, let me tell you man story, man stories. It's like, I like this story too. I think there's a little bit of like, uh, the odyssey going on here, but still it is another story coming out of Steve Trevor. It is a, it is a plot that hinges upon a well-worn trope of women. But yes, to your point, in the what-if stories, Hippolyta is usually the one on point leading the team of Wonder Women, and I do enjoy that, and I like that aspect a lot. Speaking of, Wonder Woman number 133, October 1962, another uh, impossible story where another uh, fan comes to the island, Alice, and they all, uh, Wonder Woman, Wonder Girl, and Wonder Tot, compete in a competition to be queen for a day uh, on the island. And uh, Alice, the friend, the winner of the contest, is there and gets to participate in some of the activities. And that was, again, it was cute. It's a what-if story. It's kind of fun. Also, here's the thing. Every, this is a cheat sheet for you folks back at home. Whenever Wonder Woman's like, what's what fan is going to come to Paradise Island this time? Trick question, it's always going to be a girl. It's never going to be a boy because if a boy, if a man steps foot on Paradise <laughs> Island, they all lose their powers. It's never going to be a boy. So if you were a boy... And you wanted to go visit Wonder Woman's Paradise Island. You couldn't. You would you would doom the Amazons for shame. Uh, but Alice can, and Alice is, uh, has a pretty cool day watching Wonder Tot win and be queen for a day. That's cute. Second story in this issue. This is a real story, not a what if story. Wonder Woman pretends to be a film actress known as Miss X, who does all of her own stunts, um, in a movie that Steve Trevor is cast in, and pretends to be miss x in an attempt to make steve unfaithful to wonder woman it's it's not a clear plan look i i will give you this effectively wonder woman is upset that steve has eyes for another woman and it turns out the other woman is her she just didn't know it because the film promoter was like hey i cast this woman called miss x who doesn't exist but I figured you would join because if it got Steve Trevor's attention, you'd be here. So I tricked you into wanting to be in this movie so you could be around your boyfriend, who seems to be pretty unfaithful or petty and shallow. Surprise. It's a very, it's a very dumb story. <laughs> we do get a great visual, though, of Wonder Woman dressed as Miss X, red dress, uh, like elbow length uh, opera gloves, just like ripping a uh, pillar out of the uh, out of the ground and just holding it up, and it's just okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on board. It's a, it's a it's an awesome moment wasted on a on a silly gimmick. Highly um, accurate. It's so cool. It's like ah, I would love to see Wonder Woman do this when she wasn't trying to impress a man. Y- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Wonder Woman number one thirty four, November nineteen sixty two. Uh, Image Maker. This one I actually really liked. Image Maker is a supervillain that lives in mirrors, kind of like Mirror Master. Not really. Uh, Image Maker traps Wonder Woman in a mirror at the, uh, guess where everybody? At the circus slash carnival slash funhouse. Again, what have we learned? Nothing good ever happens at the circus. But Image Maker traps Wonder Woman in a mirror dimension and she has to get out after fighting mirror image duplicates of herself, which was a cool issue. I liked this. This was a neat thing that I wanted to see more of. I was like, yeah, I'll watch Wonder Woman beat up people like this. Where's Dr. Psycho? Where's Cheetah? Where's Baroness? Bring all those people back. I want to watch Wonder Woman. Like, I would take the dude who shrunk her down to make a flea circus again. Show me some weird garbage bad guys. I want to see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, second story in number 134. Wonder Girl um, fights for Reno slash Mono slash Merboy's attention. Uh, when he becomes interested in this other girl. Which, rightfully so, because she's been rebuffing his advances for as long as they've known each other. And then the second he turns his attention to somebody else, she gets in a kerfuffle, 
and and gets all mad about it. And I'm like, you don't get to have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> this is a dumb lesson to teach girls. <laughs> like, or anyone for that matter, whoever is reading this comic, this is a dumb lesson to teach them. And if you say no to somebody forever you and you get mad when they finally take the hint, you sabotage their potential relationship with someone else. Jesus Christ. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. A little bit. Oh. But again, this is... This is the thing I keep coming back to is I I always enjoy the Wonder Girl stories more for the same reason that I've enjoyed the other like teen version characters. Uh they're teenagers. Of course they're dumb. <laughs> yeah. You get that ex- you can explain that away if they're inexperienced with what's going on. So it's you're not yeah. wrong. And, and they have actual other priorities. I think that's the thing that grounds it for me a lot is wonder girl has her, her job her primary thing that she is focusing on is becoming wonder woman it is trying to reach that pinnacle of virtue of uh expertise etc uh and yeah reno is absolutely being distracting and annoying but she does also like him uh and the it is the, I think the camera of these stories allows for more space for that kind of, well, yeah, you're, you're just kind of fumbling your way through it. Th- whereas it tries to frame Wonder Woman and any of the adult versions of these heroes as pretty much impeccable. Yeah. Them being kids allows for them to make mistakes. That gives them more character. Mm-hmm. It allows them to have a mistake and learn a lesson. That you would think an adult would already know. Here's an interesting thing that just occurred to me. There's a longer timeline available to Wonder Girl in the sense of, hey, she can do this back and forth with Reno. And and we know they, they are going to do that back and forth for, well, until he gets a name change, uh, mm-hmm. for probably like 20 odd years. Uh, you can do that kind of uh, eternal summer thing of, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we don't have it all figured out. We're, we're going to push each other's buttons a little bit and maybe eventually something will happen. Uh, but it doesn't matter that we don't have it figured out yet. Whereas we, whereas there is no clear like, oh, how far down the line on from Wonder Woman? It's like okay, like they're talking about. Oh, we are. Uh, Steve Trevor and Mano are like, oh, we're going to get married, and not as like a distant future thing. We're we're gonna do that like presumably soon. And there's no as the reader we know. Oh, that's not gonna happen. So it's it. Whatever. They're just they're doing banter back and forth. It's no like the. I don't know. There's just something about that understanding that there is so much more time for Wonder Girl for these things to play out that Wonder Woman doesn't have that sort of changes that dynamic. Hmm. It was an interesting point. Yeah. And it, I would, I would read a Wonder Girl comic much like I'm reading, much like we're reading Supergirl. I think that would be interesting. And it is, it is, there's less for her to do because she's stuck on Paradise Island though. And that is the big hurdle is she can't go around the world stopping things like Supergirl can because she's stuck being Wonder Woman pre-Wonder Woman when she is given that mandate. So six of one, half a dozen of the other, but I would still enjoy seeing a Wonder Girl book, much like there's a Superboy book. I don't know. Uh, But I think that is one of the, that is my major gripe with the trio all ages stories is that they have effectively taken the place of Wonder Girl stories yeah. Uh, they are, I'd say they're probably a quarter of all the stories that we read in here. Yeah. There's at probably. least, there's at least one every couple months. Yeah. Um, for our last issue that we're going to cover, however, uh, Wonder Woman, January, 1963, number 135, uh, happy new year. Uh, Carol Sue, another fan gets to visit Paradise Island, Wonder Woman, Wonder Girl, Wonder Tot, uh, fight off multiple man as he freezes paradise island and they must save carol sue it seems to not be a safe thing to visit paradise island as a fan <laughs> um it, either you're there for queen for a day competition or you're watching multiple man freeze the entirety of the amazonian population 
50-50 chance whether it's going to be fun or a life-threatening problem. Uh, that is the extent of our coverage for this episode. We've talked a lot about the stories with regards to their, you know, their mileage per, per issue in terms of are these what-if stories? Are these main continuity, quote-unquote, stories? Are these just weird, wild, wacky things? Now, I know some people enjoy the strange and fun aspect of the Silver Age. I know some people are like, I love it. I think that's what comics should be. I don't think that that's wrong. I don't think that it should not be that. I think that there is room for both. And when you try to put both in the same title without differentiating, you risk creating a confused brand. If all the silly fun stories were in Wonder Girl and all the more cool action-y adventure-y things were in Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. absolutely you get it both. Have both. Have fun. Do you. Supergirl seems to get it right. Supergirl has a very delicate balance. Some of those weird, wacky stories aren't good, but they don't feel out of place. They feel like, yeah, this is a thing that would happen to her because of Kryptonite. It's dumb, but this has happened before. Versus how many what-if stories do we get to put that, to put Wonder Woman in a situation that could not happen? Specifically for the sake of showing Wonder Tot and Wonder Girl. Again, if you have the data to suggest that Wonder Girl is that popular, give her her own book. What's anyone going to do? Complain? I don't understand the shoehorning. This isn't like having kid Flash stories in Flash comics. Where those have their own continuity and their own plot line and they are taken just as seriously as regular Flash stories. These are full on, this can't happen because of the nature of time. Buckle up, it's going to be fun. It's like, I don't, I don't get why we're doing this. No other, no other book does this. Occasionally Superman will do what ifs. But it is, it is less than this and it is never in a situation where it is um superboy showing up and hanging out with superman it feels intellectually dishonest in a way where because to me the all ages stories seem to seem to say like you guys really like this we're not going to change the rules of the world to make this possible we're just going to say the we're going to say the rules of the of the our world don't matter to us mm-hmm. uh and ex, and i mean explicitly say like they lead off most of those issues with uh and this is a what if story it, <laughs> but all three of them together this can only be a what if story uh it's like bringing sherlock holmes back from uh falling off that cliff uh with I think with Moriarty, mm-hmm. uh, when uh, when he was killed off the first time in, in the original stories, uh, it and then bringing him back so quickly, it it just doesn't r- sit right with me. Feels weird. I mean, a, a different, less literary example could be a tire shop that sells all kinds of tires. Suddenly one day being like, now we're selling bike tires and scooter tires. And you're like, I'm here to buy car tires. And now it's harder for me to buy that because there's also a bunch of space now for bike and scooter tires. And now all the car tires are over here. You haven't gotten rid of the car tires. You've just deprioritized them. And then tomorrow when I come back, it's all going to be car tires. You can sell bike and scooter tires. There's nothing that says you can't. But why would you just do it arbitrarily at one point and not make it another thing or not make a new store like it just it's it's very strange to come in it's jarring at times to just be like oh this is this story i guess this time i have nothing to tell me that it's going to be this way you know even the superman stories are like this is a what if what if lois landed on on krypton instead of superman on earth and you're like okay that's what i'm doing today sometimes they don't tell you for the the wonder woman wonder tot wonder girl stories it's just like it's all three of them here it's shorthand for this isn't happening okay the identity and brand of the Wonder Woman comics is not a unifying theme or even unifying like, well, 
tone, unifying tone. It is just, uh, hey, here is the latest thing that we've decided we're interested in and just going hard in on that. Yeah, it Wonder Woman comics are anything and everything Wonder Woman. Yes. As opposed to Superman comics can have Supergirl in them. But they don't make a habit out of making this, making it all the time a duo book between the two. The consistency at which they are inconsistent is the problem. And I think one thing that's making it even more so is these are not generally full-length stories uh, in the sense of the full 24 pages. They are generally uh, two stories per issue. And if you spend that first three pages trying to figure out oh what kind of story is this going to be that that means that you have less chance to like oh this is going to be this kind of story Mm -hmm. uh and sort of zero in and set your expectations yeah i think you're right there do we have any other points uh one thing i do want to call out though uh for all the for all the slagging that I've kind of done about the inconsistency. I think that this has had some of the best, like visual gags isn't quite it, but cool visuals certainly. And often on the gag side, it reminds me a lot of how, when we were reading Aquaman back in the day, especially it was just, Hey, things are cooler with fish the things that the visuals that come out of this are just immediately more pleasing and interesting. And even beyond that, like the, uh, not the combat choreography per se, but like there's the whole sequence with, I think it's with Engelman, uh, when she gets, uh, she steps in cement and her, she just has a block <laughs> of cement and yeah. that's how they're, how Engelman is going to take her prisoner. And this whole fight sequence on a helicopter happens with her having to deal with the fact that she can't move as well. And it's just good. And then there's a sequence where uh, they're, they have a plane lassoed and she's pulling the plane underwater with the lasso it's just this is just good this makes me happy i i loved the visuals in the multiple man stories mm-hmm. those were so cool like i definitely agree that these had some of the cooler set piece slash big moment art we've seen it a while and that was a real that was a real winner for me for some of these stories for sure oh there's one bit uh I sort of said earlier how I I wasn't bugged by Wonder Tot as compared to other babies. And there's a specific bit that sort of crystallized, I think, some of why. Uh, after the, uh, during the Queen for a Day competition, Wonder Girls just, they're doing like spinning uh, competition, like do a thousand spins without falling over. And Wonder Tot just keeps going and they're like, you're done you did a like (laughs) yeah you know you did a thousand right she's like no i don't know i'm a kid i can't count that high (laughs) that was (laughs) was that was pretty great yeah that was really funny there there are some bits in this that are that were genuine laughs they're just like yeah that was good (laughs) this was so much easier and more enjoyable of a read than the superman stuff i think they're trying too hard i think the superman stories are just trying too hard man Mm. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but like the, the humor does not land as often on those portal clam. That's right. There was a clam that had a portal inside of it. Yep. There's just some good stuff in here. There's some genuine, like silver age nonsense that it's like, yeah, all right. Like I, I overlook it now because I'm so used to it because it's not dumb anymore. I mean, like, it's still like, oh my God, but like. Not enough that I go like, I have to stop what I'm doing to comment on how silly this is. It's just like, yeah, of course, it's the Silver Age. Of course, that clam is a teleportation device from one dimension to another. Why wouldn't it be? Is that mm-hmm. it for us for this one? That's everything I've got, certainly. All right. Uh, we can move on to recommendations then. I'm excited for this recommendation. Everyone should pick up Superman Smashes the Clan. Oh, nice. That is so good. I think it is an all Asian American, if not just Asian team. And it is so good. Such a good comic. Fun. 
light, but also tackle some really um, complicated conversations about race and racism. It is a good version of Superman. Really interesting um, visuals, really good art. Pacing is just so wonderful. It's a graphic novel. If you have the chance to pick it up, please do. It is a riff off of an old Superman's radio serial where he fights the KKK. They have changed it a bit to a different story. It's so good. So, so fun. I I had to finish it when I was reading it. Like I, I could, I had to, at one point I, I read it in two different sittings. Um, I had to stop myself at one of them. Because I was like, I know if I start reading this, I'm going to just sit down and do nothing else. Because this is that good. Like, it's been a while since I have read a comic where I have felt so compelled to finish it. It was very good. Um, Continues to prove the fact that Superman does best in graphic novels. um, When you can encapsulate him very thoroughly. Very good version of him. Very fun. Very cute. Um, but like I said, still dealing with racism. So it's like weird to say that this is a cute comic when it has to do with a KKK analogy. Um, but it's right on the money. Perfect. Perfectly executed. Nice. On my end, there's a couple I could, there's a couple I could do. I've been, uh, very fortunate in the uh, media I've consumed lately, but what I'm specifically going to recommend is kind of a combination because the two really make the other or one of them really makes the other like stand out uh so i've been watching original mobile suit gundam uh which is on crunchyroll first time it's been available in a long time apparently and yeah it's it's good and then yesterday, <laughs> yesterday I had some hard kombucha and was like, you know what would be really good? Evangelion. Oh, and no. I, so, <laughs> so I don't know what to, to what degree that's the right response because I actually like, first off, I grew up with Ava. Uh, that was high school me latched onto thoroughly. But be. also, it was late at night, and it was like I don't remember. I don't remember Rebecca's Netflix password. So rather than watch Ava, I'm gonna read the manga, and I really latched onto the manga when I was a kid. And it is, I mean, manga, black and white. It is fascinating. A, how much the either it's I don't know if it's the difference in how the manga is just how it frames things or if the black and white just works so well at bringing the the dark and the disquiet into it mm. uh but it is spent it that worked super well for me last night while i was mildly drunk off of hard kombucha uh but also especially in the context of having watched so much gundam recently be, the thing that the thing that blew my mind when I heard it was Gundam is apparently a portmanteau of gun and freedom. Good. There is a reason that it is red, white, and blue. It is violence in a patriotic cloak, uh, in an <laughs> in an, an imperialism under a patriotic cloak, and it's oh, it's fascinating to see the difference between the mecha design in Gundam versus Ava, what happens when you take the knight armor off and it's just Predator? Yeah. And I don't know. For for now, I'm riding high. Who knows what'll happen? Uh, that show goes some places. <laughs> As always, listeners, there's two types of people on this show. Uh <laughs> <laughs> go go read the the lighthearted romp of Superman fighting the KKK. I got drunk and read Evangelion. Um, God, that just to me is like the equivalent for me is like I got really hammered and I decided I wanted to watch Band of Brothers. Ooh. Like that's that's the equivalent of that Ooh. for me is like yeah you know what I could go for some really intense really emotional historical <laughs> fiction. Damn. <laughs> we watched. Uh, we just got done with. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Nice. Uh, 
Yeah. That is on my list. I actually, this is a second recommendation. I just finished watching um, RN uh, Ho- High School Host Club. Oh. That is so funny. <laughs> RN High School Host Club. It's on Netflix. Um, O-U-R-A-N. Uh, Oran. It's a very 2006 anime with some very 2006 sensibilities, but I think it mocks those sensibilities in a way that is both also impressive and somewhat inclusive. Um, Also kind of progressive for its time. Nice. It's a good, it's a good anime. I mean, like one of the characters is very chauvinistic and you're like, "Mm," and they say certain words like, "Mm, that's a slur now. Um, But at the same time, the main character is very comfortable in who they are and that's like never really put into question other than the guy who like wants to date them it's like there's some really interesting stuff there and it's a very good very good anime it's also just very fun um if you want to watch a guy the size of a toddler be a karate champion master and scare (laughs) um like the equivalent of navy seals uh that's that's i can't sell the show on that then i I can't sell the show to you at all (laughs) nice who by the way the guy who's the size of a toddler is supposed to be like 17 so it's also like really <laughs> funny because it's just like that's a that's a near adult man who looks like that walking around with a rabbit plushie who is also apparently a feared karate master in this in the country of Japan. <laughs> I want to watch uh, the way the house husband just came out on Netflix. Nice, that looks really fun too. I'm excited. But we've been watching Parasite instead. <laughs> but you know, Parasite is a different thing. <laughs> oh, it's good. <laughs> All right, I believe those are enough recommendations for quite some time for you to watch some things and also maybe possibly avoid some things while doing while you're drunk um <laughs> we will fair look i wouldn't watch band of brothers while drunk that's I'm, you know my, my suggestion fair. is not to do that just in case. <laughs> on your third viewing perhaps um that is going to be it for us for this episode we're going to talk to you next time about some more wonder woman and then we're going to go right back to jla because i'm excited because i miss the, the league and some fun group stories. So we'll see how that works in a couple episodes. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While Wonder Woman's adventures were enjoyable, the inconsistency between which version of the Amazonian Avenger we'd see threw us for a loop. There were gleams of greatness amongst all of their tales, though. Maybe we should stick around just a little longer.